Hello, everybody, and welcome into Cat's Cradle, your Northwestern lacrosse podcast. I'm your host, Parker Johnson, joined today by Noah Kaufman and Jack Leto. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, Parker. Good weekend for the Cats. You Great know, weekend for the Cats. This is a little bit off topic, not the same sport, but uh, the other Cats, baseball, just finished off the big win over Notre Dame, 2-0, so I'm feeling pretty good, good mood. Uh, let's let's talk some lacrosse. Always a good time to talk Northwestern two, athletics. How are you doing, Jack? Two no- N- Northwestern wins over Notre Dame. That's one of those big minor rivalries uh, in college sports, I yeah. guess. Weird Definitely. thing, all Definitely. Northwestern fans hate Notre Dame, like more than any other team, more than Illinois even, I think. Yeah. All Northwestern fans just despise Notre Dame. Honestly, I would, I would probably agree with that. From my experience, at least on campus, I am by no means a lifelong Northwestern fan. I'm a two-year Northwestern fan at this point. But I definitely think that there's a certain level of intensity that comes when we play Notre Dame yeah. that just yeah. isn't there in other games. Illinois is close. Illinois is close, but I yeah. think it's m- mostly only and football. And then Wisconsin, well, especially for alums. Like, you see this uh, when, when on Inside and You in the, com- in the comments, because we draw more alums, <laughs> like older alums. Wisconsin is the most hated team by alums, along with Iowa as, like, a close second. But that's not really as much in, like, current campus, yeah. you know? It's just they're just not at the forefront, even though we still have that kind of Big Ten West rivalry thing in football. I'd say Notre Dame is probably tops, at least on campus right now. It also depends on your age. Like, we're freshmen and sophomores, so, like, Illinois hasn't really been good enough to, like, warrant a, an this intense is rivalry. In our experience. Like, maybe they'll get good later. But. Definitely a fair point. Well, uh, on the basketball court, Illinois yeah. has, has done just fine against Northwestern uh, the past couple years. <laughs> my, my freshman year, they, they yeah. beat us, swept us. I went to Illinois and watched that happen. But, and almost swept us this year. But, yeah, hey, we digress. We'll talk some lacrosse on this podcast. Not not a sport that Illinois plays, so we'll get back to Northwestern. If they did, I'm sure they'd be bad, though. Yeah, definitely definitely no argument that uh, Northwestern is Chicago's Big Ten team, as far as lacrosse goes. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's just start with the games that happened over the weekend, guys. Um, first game was on Friday. Northwestern beats Ohio State 20-6. to um, I know, Noah, you were supposed to be on the call of this game, got moved up, so we weren't able to have broadcasters for that game. But let's talk a little bit about it. Um... Ohio State, not the best team in Big Ten play. They're 5-7 and seven overall now, 1-3 and three in the Big Ten. Uh, but this did definitely have some bright spots for Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, I did a little bit of my preliminary research before we officially, me and Bo officially found out that we were off the call. There's not much to say about this Ohio State team. They're actually very similar to a Michigan team that Northwestern also handled pretty easily a week ago. You know, when those two played, it was a pretty close game. Uh, but the Buckeyes have faced some pretty tough competition. Uh, not the same level of competition that Northwestern faced. Uh, Northwestern has faced. Few teams have that level of competition. But this is a team that's that's played some good teams and, and hung with some pretty decent teams. A UMass game that was pretty close that they sent to overtime uh, early in the season. Um, it's, that That's the one that stands out the most. Lost to Penn State by 8, but uh, that's another decent quality competition. So they've played some decent teams and shown some... Uh, backbone, if you will, even though this is a younger team that's a, a, and a, a, a more of a younger program than Northwestern, uh, at least, uh, that doesn't, it definitely doesn't have the same prestige or name recognition that the upper tier Big Ten schools do in terms of Northwestern, Penn State, Maryland. But it's a dangerous team. It's a pesky team that could have easily made this game a slog for Northwestern, but the Cats just use their talent in a superior way. I think that's the theme of this weekend, is like after squeaking out some close wins, that's good to see them finishing down the stretch in those close games over spring break. We saw the Cats handle their business against inferior opponents, and that's key. As we've seen in all Northwestern athletics, all athletics, it once you, st- when you, once you start handling inferior teams, that's how you know that you're really 
that you're really uh, you're really starting to gel and come together talent-wise when you put yourself on that other level. And we saw that twice this weekend. Uh, again, this is not a world-beating Ohio State team. It's a young squad. It's an inexperienced squad. But Northwestern handled them, and that's all they needed to do. Yeah, totally. Over these uh, this schedule in particular, I kind of categories uh, categorize uh, Northwestern schedule into games you need to win and games you want to win. You, Northwestern plays a ton of games you want to win, but the games you need to win, this is one of them against Ohio State. I'm not going to lie, I didn't do a lot of preparation to see if Ohio State could beat us because I was fairly certain we couldn't. Uh, they couldn't. But we did a really good job not letting them get on runs. All of Ohio State's, even though only six goals, they were in singles. Like, there was no 2-0 runs. Uh, we were able to spread the ball out. I know a lot a lot of goals, uh, like, late were garbage time, but uh, uh, Shelby Fredericks, Nicole Beardsley did not score in garbage time. Pinzone, I believe, or, yeah, Pinzone scored two goals, uh, not in garbage time. So, like, the ability to spread out uh, your, the ball, not having a one-dimensional or two-dimensional offense is a really big thing to have in this uh, really competitive Big Ten, at least on the top side. Absolutely, and and we see that, you know, as as you were mentioning, Noah, when when you're able to handle those smaller teams, that's definitely a good sign for the program. But it also allows other players to play. It allows you to rest some of your better players, and it allows other players to get experience. We had ten unique scorers in this game. Um, a couple new faces that we hadn't seen a lot: Sarah Sinal, Nell Copeland, Brianna Stroop, Kate Paliota. All people that scored that don't necessarily play as many minutes on this team. So I think that that one of the big takeaways for Northwestern as well in this game is just the fact that we got to see some other faces on the score sheet. Yeah, Northwestern is one of the bigger programs in the country and especially in the Midwest um, in terms of the, just the amount of players we, we roster. Um, you know, we, we've seen it all through the season, just rotating more than other teams even when we go on the road at their place sometimes. Um, so it can be really tough to get those players in with just the sheer amount of freshmen who are all, of course, talented, but just kind of trying to get them in is difficult. I mean, with all the sets of siblings and everything on this team, there's just a lot of moving parts. And I think that, again, that's another key of a, of a game like this is getting them experience because teams like, I didn't listen, or I mean, we didn't broadcast the game, so I definitely did listen, but I also wasn't there for the end of the game, so I don't know exactly how it shook out in terms of whether Ohio State starters were on the field down the stretch. But I know in the Michigan game, that's what happened as, as Northwestern's uh, backups came in. Michigan left out their starters trying to get some sparks, um, which was which was very key, I think, in terms of for those young players' development to try to continue along that curve. If you're just if you're just playing the other team's dregs, their their worst players that don't get any playing time, it's not going to help you improve as much as even practice would. But if you're getting reps against a first team, even if it's a first team of a Michigan or an Ohio State, that is key and that's so helpful uh, to get those kind of reps. And again, I'm not 100% sure if that's what happened in Ohio State, but I know it happened in Michigan, and it's happened other times during the season, and I think it is very important. Yeah, looking at the stat sheet, a quick count is there were four uh, four different freshmen who scored at least one goal. Like we said, a couple of them were in garbage time. But that's a really big thing to uh, spread uh, the ball out between your young players. I also noticed Northwestern as a team is just really, they mold together so well. They're just like, there's so much team cohesiveness uh, both on the field and on the sideline. It really helps when you can sub players in and out, uh, you know, continue that uh, cohesiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so definitely good team performance from Northwestern. Really handled Ohio State, as you mentioned. Not not a win that's going to surprise anybody, but certainly a win they needed to get nonetheless. Able to get some other players some experience in that game. Well done, Northwestern, on Friday. Then on Sunday, we were there, Jack. We were calling this game. Northwestern takes down Notre Dame 20-10. to Notre Dame came in ranked number 21 in the country. They've definitely struggled at times against top 
top uh, performances, uh, par- pardon me, top opponents this year, but certainly a team, again, that could have given Northwestern a lot of trouble. But Northwestern played very well in that game, and we actually have some highlights from that game for you right now. Hello, Wildcat fans, and welcome on into WNUR Sports broadcast of Northwestern Women's Lacrosse. Coming in today, sitting at number eight in the most recent coaches poll, challenged by number 21, Notre Dame, straight out of South Bend, Indiana, who probes behind the goal, looking to come around and find a shot. Goes inside to Corn. Corn lays it home. Goal, Northwestern, 1-0. Cats, 25 minutes to go in the first half. Fredericks, and now she'll retreat to her defensive position. Ball goes inside quickly for Northwestern. Stroop hammers one home. 4-0 Cats, and the route is on early in Evanston. Diana Kelly working on Northwestern. Can't find anything. Goes to Howe. Howe, little juke, little jive. Takes a spin and cuts inside. She has a chance and scores. That's the brilliance of Maddie Howe, her 27th goal of the season absolutely shaking and baking the Northwestern defense and putting it home beyond Krupnik. Now it's Howe looking to get something different going in attack, cuts to her left, finds some space, shoots and scores. We've seen Howe do it three times now. That's a hat trick for her. The individual brilliance of Maddie Howe brings Notre Dame within four. And Frederick's looking for a pass inside, loops it over to Lasota behind the goal again. Now it's Nestlebush, turns and scores. Nestlebush's fourth of the game. She is absolutely on fire. Northwestern restores the lead to five. Three minutes and 25 seconds left in the half. Taken away by Notre Dame, and that will get us to the half. Nine to five, Northwestern. They were out early to an eight to two lead, but Notre Dame, three one run to close that half, and they've cut it to four. Has it behind the net, looking for her shot. Again, jump shot, score by Selena Lasota. Disgusting goal, Selena Lasota. Why did you do that to Bridget Dehan? She did nothing to you. Slowly, Lasota goes in, looks for a pass. Now it goes back outside to Kidda. Kidda shoots, she scores! To Korn, who goes back to Nestlebush. She scores! Nestlebush dripping in finesse with a huge goal. That is her fifth, ties her uh, season high. It is 13 to seven. Another free position shot for Lasota. Same spot she's had the other four. Here's Fires, goal, top right corner. Lasota with her fifth of the game. At the end of the day, a great win for Northwestern. There's that horn, play that fight song, it's 20 to 10. The Cats do it against another ranked team. This is the sixth win in a row for Northwestern. We got some great um, great plays throughout that game, great goals scored. Um, Selena Lasota gets five goals. Nestlebush gets five goals. I mean, fantastic performances from those two. They combined for 18 goals over the weekend in these two games. And they had the I same mean, amount of goals in each game. It's kind of funny. You know, they both yeah. had four, four in the first and, four and, and then five, five and five. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, they're just, they just work so well together, Parker, on the front side. I mean, it's it's a joy to watch. And the way they've really come into their own, you know, like early in the season, along with the rest of the offense, we saw it manifest itself most in the Duke game, certainly, uh, when they only scored eight goals. But over the course of the season, there have been periods where the offense has just gone dark. Um, which is something that we've seen from Northwestern teams in the past, even the most successful ones. But it hasn't happened over the past two weeks as much. Certainly in Johns Hopkins and Penn, there were periods where they weren't scoring. 
but it always seemed like the offense was at least moving, in, at least in terms of uh, accounts that uh, we, we read and, and looked at of the game. Um, and it's, and in, especially in these last two games, there was never a point when the offense was just not uh, not there, if you will. You know, throughout the first half, they, they scored a goal basically every four minutes for the entire first half until the last... 10 minutes, uh, or well, over the course of the first half, they scored a goal basically every four minutes. And then even in the second half when it was garbage time, just consistently scoring. It just shows how quickly, how, how much this offense is meshing, that they're always, and even when they were not scoring, they're getting a good look on goal. There's just not the same number of turnovers that there had been in weeks past. We talked about this in our last episode, Parker, where the turnovers had been one of the only problems over spring break. They had committed a lot of turnovers, and they cut down on those this weekend, certainly. Again, and we heard this in the highlights. Notre Dame, a young, a younger team. Uh, we we heard this on the broadcast. Uh, a team that has lost to a lot of big competition, but at the same time, this is their largest margin of defeat of the year. Uh, and that's something to be said for a team that's played in the ACC, potentially the best conference in in all of lacrosse, against teams like a North Carolina, a Virginia, a Virginia Tech, all those other great teams in the ACC. So there's certainly something to be said for that. Yeah, this was a really highly attended game. I, I keep saying this, but I feel like there's a little bit of a magic in the air as we're approaching this uh, postseason. Very physical game. Uh, one thing I noticed out of this game and the Ohio State game is that uh, I'm a big like uh, like a runs person in lacrosse. You know how like Chris Collins, he his teams uh, play basketball like six minutes at a time. You know that's how he does it. I think lacrosse is a a lot about not giving up runs of two or three or more. And I was doing research for the Ohio the Notre Dame game. And the 10 games before the Ohio State game, uh, the Cats had given up at least a 3 nothing run. And while a lot of those games were wins, uh, sometimes they can turn into 4 nothing, 5 nothing runs, like the run, the 5 nothing run uh, at the end of regulation by Penn in North Carolina. However, like I said in the last two games, they cut down on that, which was really good. So your ability to, um, like, win to basically, like, win three goals out of four, that's, like, a huge... Uh, way to just consistently keep your foot on the gas pedal. And a lot of that is done through the draw control, especially for Northwestern. Northwestern had 26 draw controls as a team in this game. I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that number that Shelby Fredericks and co. were able to put up um, against the Fighting Irish. We were in awe throughout the game, Jack, as we broadcasted it, um, just at, at how Northwestern just won almost every single one. Nestlebush even had five draw controls, just collecting um, Fredericks' initial tips up. And so I, I believe Fredericks had 12 herself in that game. 26 to 6, that gives you the opportunities to A, prevent the runs, as you mentioned, Jack, B, have consistent offensive performance, as you mentioned, Noah, and I think a lot of this game really came down to that dominance in the draw control circle for Northwestern. Yeah, and I mean, 26 out of 32, that's just incredible. You know, uh, uh, just, <laughs> I mean, just the percentages on that. Uh, some of it, some of draw controls is luck. For anybody who's watched a lacrosse game, knows that that sometimes you just get, you know, the, your stick happens to land on the ball. The ref, you know, you get a penalty because you got in position, uh, and and a lot of, but a lot of it uh, is hustle. Of course, Shelby Fredericks is great at what she does, but it's the hustle of the players around the circle and of Fredericks within the circle to get those balls. And Northwestern has just consistently done it the whole year, and it's something that they clearly work on in practice. We don't see practices, but it just shows on the field that this team works so hard in that area. And it's something, you know, it's what made this game 
such a blowout. And again, I'm going to go back to this well of, the, of Notre Dame's previous games against top 10 teams. They played five top 10 opponents before this Northwestern game. They're 1-4. in four. Combined margin of defeat, only 12. In five games, they lost by two to Boston College. Uh, that, that might be the best team in the country right there. They lost by two to them at the start of the season. They lost by three to USC, a team that was top 10 at the time. They lost by seven to Virginia. That was that was a pretty big loss, but then beat Syracuse in overtime. Lost by one to a North Carolina team that gave Northwestern fits. And Northwestern comes out here and dominates this game from start to finish. Dominates the draw control circle. Dominates time, I mean, not necessarily time of possession, if you will, but just uh, attempts the amount of shots on goal. Just dominates them in every facet of the game. And, and that is something that is just very impressive, even against a team that has had some struggles recently. Again, that North Carolina lost by one. That was a week ago. That was uh, two weeks ago now. March 31st. Like, that was not very long ago. This is the same Notre Dame team, and Northwestern just came out there and ran through them. Yeah, I give a lot of credit to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a really young team, and I don't want to talk about them too much, but, like, they're going to be a powerhouse. Even though they're 7-7, seven and seven, they're still ranked for a reason. They're a really well-coached team, a lot of good young talent. Uh, you cannot give enough credit to Shelby Fredericks. For someone who doesn't really score that often, she is such a important part of this team. You would think uh, with lacrosse uh, draws control circles, you would have like a lot of one-trick ponies, but Shelby Fredericks is not that. She wins it to herself. She wins it to her friends. She will put it on the ground and then hustle to get it. Like She can do it every time, and she doesn't get tired. We talked about this at the pregame show, but uh, Notre Dame would just like, put in different people and they stuck with um Andy Adave for a while but like they would put in different people no one even had a shot against Fredericks and it would be this I mean it was the same thing against against North Carolina as well I mean and I speak on that because that's one of the only other games I've broadcasted but North Carolina put five different players in there trying to win draw controls from her and they couldn't do it and another note from this weekend that's a little bit separate, but kind of in the same vein of Northwestern's discipline, over the weekend there were 10 penalties called combined in those two games. None of them were against Northwestern. Six on Ohio State in that game, four on Notre Dame in the Sunday game. No penalties against Northwestern in in, in either game, at least from what I'm seeing in the box score. Um, and that's just... That's almost unthinkable that, that you could just that you could just not commit a penalty in either game, and it just speaks to a level of discipline that Northwestern has. That hasn't been a com- completely recurring theme throughout the season. They have an advantage in that penalty department, but not an overwhelming one. But it's something that's showed up again recently, and and it's something another indicator that shows you that this team is going to finish the season strong. And and when he says penalty, he means uh, yellow or green card. Yes, yellow or green any, cards. Any, any anything that would anything that would result in the other team losing a player for some period of time, green card being. Being a minute, yellow card being two minutes. Um, whereas fouls, I mean, obviously there were a lot of those. There were plenty of fouls. There were plenty yes. of fouls, but keeping players on the field, though, that, and that is and that field. is crucial. Yeah. And 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 uh, Northwestern, I know at least had one goal on on Notre Dame whenever they were um, up a player. So so it, it's certainly something that, that that makes a significant difference on the field. Though I think that's a, a very good uh, observation. One th- one quick thing though to note, um, I will say the turnovers were kind of still an issue against okay. Notre Dame. Okay. Obviously. Um, with the amount of possessions that Northwestern had, 26 um, draw controls, as we mentioned, they had a ton of possessions. Um, and so uh, the, the turnover number perhaps a bit inflated, but towards the beginning of that game, Notre Dame was able to cut the lead to three right before halftime. and Or, pardon me, right after halftime. Um, and a lot of that came from some Northwestern turnovers. So I think still a, a spot that Northwestern could be working on it. Um, and, and I think that that was definitely a part of the story of this game. Northwestern, with their dominance, was able to overcome it. And and especially through the draw control and, and, and through some other some other venues, but certainly something to note as well. Um, let's talk about this weekend as a whole a little bit because 
we, we mentioned each game pretty dominant performances, but when we look across the two games, I mean, here are some stats that stand out to me. 86 to 44 in shots, Northwestern versus the opponents. 32 for 36 in clears. Um, that's, that's a stat we don't talk about a lot. We haven't, um, at least I haven't talked about in my two weeks here on the show yet, but 32 for 36 in the clear. They're getting the ball out every single time. Um, it's a missed shot or, or, or a turnover. And 40 draw controls again in those two games, obviously inflated by the stats against Notre Dame. Lesota and Nestle Bush, as we mentioned, 18 goals in those two games and 16 unique goal scorers throughout those two games. 16 different players scored. That means, that, the other, that means that the other 22 goals that weren't scored by uh, Lasota and Nesselbush, that's 14 scores and 22 goals. That's pretty impressive. Exactly. Um, so those, those were just a few uh, things to notice as well. Selena Lasota wins co-Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Um, shared that honor with Katie O'Donnell, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But any other thoughts, you guys, on this weekend as a whole? How important... Um, these results were for Northwestern, what this could mean for them going forward, perhaps moving up in the polls. I think it's just a good confidence booster to have, uh, especially going into the two toughest, the two uh, biggest games remaining on the schedule in Penn State and Maryland. Sorry, Rutgers, leaving you out a little bit there, but we should expect Northwestern to win that game. That's a team that has been, that is part of, clear part of that lower tier of the Big Ten with uh, Ohio State and Michigan. Northwestern should be able to handle them, especially at home. Northwestern, not a lot of luck in the Big Ten schedule this year. Uh, the two clear toughest games, both on the road, Penn State and Maryland. And not only that, but, and, and I don't know, I don't, this is a little bit of a scheduling quirk. Northwestern usually plays mostly home games just because of the state of, uh, of Martin Stadium. It's a, it's a great field. It, it, even in the colder periods, it's, it's easy to play on for a lot of teams don't necessarily have that caliber of field, so they come out here and play Northwestern. But only three road games thus far, and they're going to have their two biggest ones coming up on the road, so that's clearly something that, that that's going to be a key. And I think even though it's th- these games weren't on the road this weekend, just building as much confidence as possible and not having to suffer through a tough, close game just keeps a little bit of the mental wear and tear uh, from the long season away. It's a little bit of an off weekend for for, for some of the players. You know, Lasota, uh, Nesselbush, Fredericks, they didn't have to go the whole game nonstop. You know, they didn't have to go 100% all the time. And that is key when you're coming into such big games down the stretch of this season. Yeah, it's, uh, preparation for road games is one of the most important things you can do in college sports. We were able to see Northwestern on the road beat a team like Penn. Playing at Ivy League on the road is really hard, but it's definitely harder to play at Big Ten uh, on the road. At Maryland is going to be really hard. At Penn State is going to be really hard. Uh, if I had to take one thing away from one negative from the Notre Dame game, what I saw was the individual talent of Notre Dame's uh, Maddie Howe. We saw on the broadcast she was shaking and baking, doing spin cycles. And a lot of times Northwestern is good with that one-on-one defense, but the individual talent of Maddie Howe really got to them, and she was part of the reason why uh, they got uh, the lead that got cut down to three at the uh, you know one-minute mark of the second half. Like, woman into it, that is. You know. Yeah, definitely something that Northwestern will need to keep an eye on. Playing against Katie O'Donnell, again, co-Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week and NCAA Offensive Player of the Week as well. Um, she plays for Penn State. Obviously, Maryland, a host of great goal scorers for that team, and, and we'll look forward to that game in the future. But I think that's a, that's a great observation, Jack, is that uh, Northwestern did struggle with Maddie Howe, who was Notre Dame's leading goal scorer. She did have a hat trick in that game, despite um, Notre Dame only having 10 goals. And so... Definitely something that that Northwestern could focus on um, a little bit going forward. Speaking of going forward, let's look forward a little bit to that Penn State game. That's the only game we'll preview on the podcast this week because that is the only game Northwestern has this weekend. All the focus will be on that game. Penn State 3-0 in Big Ten play still, just as they were last week. 
when we talked about it a little bit. But let's talk about this Penn State game, uh, this Penn State team, pardon me. Four losses on the season for this Penn State team. Those four losses are to number four, James Madison, number eight, Towson, number 10, Loyola, and number 18, Princeton. Those are all from the most recent polls, not when they beat them. But nonetheless, those are four losses to really good teams. Other than that, Penn State is taking care of their slate, and they're 3-0 in the Big Ten. Luckily for Northwestern, Northwestern is a very good team. So, you know, we talk about those good teams, and Northwestern clearly fits into that category. So that is certainly at least one good sign for uh for Northwestern going against Penn State, uh, one not as good sign is that Penn State has especially been good at home. Only two of those losses at home. The Princeton loss was a tough one for them. That was one of their biggest, uh, one of the their their worst losses on the season. Their worst loss on the season, I should say. That they're the lowest team in that poll that Parker just mentioned, and that's the one that kind of hurt them down the stretch. As they've won six out of their last seven, with that Princeton loss, the only uh, kind of blemish on the schedule. But that is something to look for. Another thing to look for um, in, and yeah, that's that's something that, that clearly you see against Penn, uh, against with Penn State. Another thing to see, I talked about how Northwestern doesn't have a lot of uh, doesn't have a lot of road experience this season. Of course, they're a veteran team. They have players who've played on the road before, of course, in big spots, uh, and their key players have played on the road before in big spots. Except for there, but they do have some freshmen who are coming in, haven't had a lot of road experience on the Big Ten or otherwise, who play key roles. Taylor Pinzone, of course, Julie Krupnik is the is the most is the one that stands out the most as a redshirt freshman in goal. hasn't really faced too many road environments. Another thing that hasn't happened, it seems like a small thing. One night game on the season for Northwestern, they're gonna play this game at 5 p.m. So that's not a full night game. It shouldn't be dark. Uh, at, at the start of the game, but it is a little bit of a different environment there, uh, just something that they might not be used to quite as much. I mean, look, anybody who's played a sport knows it's different when the sun's not out. I mean, of course there's lights, of course, stuff like that, but even something like that that can just affect your psyche, there's a lot of new kind of uh, variables going into this Penn State game that Northwestern's going to have to control for, which is why I think it's key that it's the only game of the weekend. This is something that Northwestern can pour all their attention and energy into, um, and, and kind of come out of the unfamiliar environment uh, by staying comfortable, hopefully. Yeah, I, I'm confident in Northwestern's ability to compete on the road at night just because they've kind of proven themselves. Uh, I think this is something we've known for a while, but maybe the rest of the country isn't. They're not just Kelly Montehill or a really scary coach, a really good coach who's won all those titles. They're also individually very good, excellent players like uh, Nestle Bush and Lasota. Uh, the only and I think that individual talent, you know, it'll just cut through, you know, the dark, the on the road, that cut the clouds in your mind. I think that talent is just gonna win out. However, on the other side, Penn State also has individual talent, and they're coming in hot. They beat number eleven Virginia twenty two thirteen, coming off a uh, Katie O'Donnell we know shared shared uh, offensive player of the week two weeks ago. Maria uh, off, I believe, uh, on March twentieth, she won her her Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. So it's not like Penn State is just a pushover team. Yeah, Penn State certainly is going to be a, a top level of competition. I mean, just like Northwestern, they're 3-0 in Big Ten so far. And as you mentioned, that win against Virginia, very, very impressive. Number 11, Virginia, out of the ACC. Beat them 22-13 in Charlottesville. So we're talking about road performance. I mean, Penn State just went on the road and beat a great team. Now, obviously, you know, that doesn't factor in when, when Northwestern will, will head over to State College. But still, a very impressive victory. Now, the, one, the other benefit for Northwestern is that this is kind of a, a scheduling quirk that works against Penn State as well. 
They, of course, have to go to Maryland five days later and play, you know, a, a number three Maryland team at, on the road at Maryland, which should help Northwestern slightly in terms of, you know, maybe not 100% of their mental preparation on there. But just to run through Penn State's players really quickly, we in, in terms of the most key players, we talked about Maria Auth and Katie O'Donnell. That's two out of the three out of the, the trifecta of goal scorers that this team really features. 120 goals out of just three players, 39 from Auth, 40 from O'Donnell, and 41 from Madison Carter, the junior uh, out of David, Davidsonville, Maryland. That's a sophomore, a senior, and a junior doing the goal scoring, and that's just a, a, a trio that Northwestern has to focus on. They, they've scored in bunches this entire season, been consistent with that. Uh, O'Donnell, the midfielder, she's one of the more versatile players in the Big Ten. Uh, the senior has tons of experience. She's been great her entire career. 40 goals, 5 assists in the midfield spot. She can really do it all. Um, Often Carter are kind of the flanking well, not necessarily flanking, but they're the attackers. You know, that's the Selena Lasota, uh, Selena Lasota and, and Sheila Nesselbush of this team, if you will, um, uh, in terms of their attacking skill. And, and it's just that trio of, of scores, which is not something that... Well, Nor Notre Dame had the scoring talent, like you guys said, but it's it's not Northwest, something Northwestern sees every single game. And it's just when you have three players who have, who have scored in... It, so equally and, and so willingly throughout the season, that's definitely something to look at. I mean, all three of those players averaging at least three goals per game. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and it'll be a challenge for Northwestern, you know, a team that really prides themselves defensively. I mean, Northwestern averaging about 9.25 goals per game. I know that was the number heading into the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame scored 10, so I imagine still around 9.3 or so. Um, so a, a very good defense for Northwestern. They they should be able to handle this, but as you mentioned, something they haven't necessarily seen a ton of times this season. And even if they saw some of that with Notre Dame, Notre Dame had three 20-plus goal scorers, that's not anything near 340 goal scorers. Yeah. So I, I think there's just a very, definitely a step up here. And, and this is going to be the best team that they've played since they played North Carolina. And as we mentioned, that was a loss. And, and, and since, and probably before that, the best team they played was Stony Brook. That was also a loss. Now, are, those two teams are probably a step above Penn State. But here's my question to you guys is, is this a game that Northwestern should win? Not a could win. Is this a game Northwestern we should expect them to win? I would say yes. And, and here I want to just provide some pushback on the idea of, of Penn State being so good. We, talk, we talked about how good their offense is. But that does has come at a price. There's a reason they've lost four games. Their defense has struggled a lot. They give up a lot of goals. This team, and that comes that at some level comes with scoring a lot of goals. But um, but just uh, giving up 143 goals on the season in um, in 13 games. So that's exactly 11 goals per game, um, which is two more than Northwestern. It doesn't sound like that much, or almost two full goals more than Northwestern. It doesn't sound like that much again, but over 13 games, that is a lot. That, that that just comes out to a ton of goals. This defense ha is has a lot of holes. It's a pretty young uh, defensive team. Uh, not as many seniors in, in featuring into that defensive rotation. And that's something that I think Northwestern needs to take advantage of. And, and that's why I think Northwestern... I think we should expect them to win this game because they've shown over this last week that they can take advantage of teams with good defenses. They are, Or with bad defenses. Or... I should say struggling defenses. Of course, Notre Dame, I, I wouldn't call them an outright bad defense, but against Penn State, uh, uh, Penn, I should say, and Johns Hopkins, they beat teams that were more defensively focused in in close road games. Here it's going to be kind of the opposite. 
So that was one thing I was worried about before this week, uh, kind of facing a team that's more offensively minded. But this past week showed that Northwestern knows how to handle those teams. So I think we should be able to expect them to have success against a team that has a lot of things that they've seen before. This might be an offensive shootout. Uh, we talked about Northwestern's defense. I was curious what they were. I think in the NCAA, they're, they're tied for... No, they are sole possession of 11th in uh, scoring defense. It was obviously really good in the entire country. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Penn State is a team, uh, like we said, that could score a lot of goals. And uh, I think Northwestern, a reason they could and I think a reason they should win this game is they're a team that's able to score a lot and they're able to bounce back when teams score against them. I think there's a very real chance that Penn, that Northwestern can cut through uh, Penn State's defense, but then Penn State could come through and use their talent to cut through Northwestern's defense. I think uh, the Cats should be able to... And if they want to, they need to be able to bounce back from those goals that are scored against them. Yeah, and I, I think also, to add on to that point, something that will be crucial in this game is the goaltending. I mean, Julie Krubnik has, has showed her abilities as a goaltender this year, um, and she showed to be really clutch. We mentioned that Penn game last week on the podcast, how clutch Krupnik was in that game. And, and they're going to need a similar performance from her this week against Penn State, because as we said, could very well be a shootout. Definitely going to be a lot of goals scored in this game. And in those types of games, although the focus is on the offense, that actually puts a lot of pressure on the goalkeeper because if you can make one or two, maybe three big saves in that game, that can change the tide from a team, you know, say scoring 18 goals to scoring 15 goals. And that could give Northwestern enough leeway to potentially take the lead there and win. So we, and we talked about how, North, how good Northwestern scoring defense has been 11th in the country. Uh, Penn State is not on the top 50 in that in that marker. So that's just one example of the diff, of the the gap between these two teams. Of course, on the other side, it doesn't look quite as good for Northwestern in terms of scoring offense. Penn State fourth in the country. That's what happens when you score 16 goals a game. Uh, now they're they're they've loaded up against some weaker competition as Northwestern has as well, um, playing some of the teams, winning against some teams that aren't necessarily top flight uh, top flight defenses. But fourth kind of speaks for itself. You know, they're behind Stony Brook. Boston College, Jacksonville, those are three phenomenal offenses. Northwestern, no slouches, down at 20th, but that's that's very solid. That's right there. Uh, third in the Big Ten behind Penn State and Maryland. Uh, and obviously the defense is something, not necessarily that carries this team, but this is, Northwestern clearly more balanced than Penn State, and they just have to kind of let that balance win out. They haven't faced a team, we, we talked about this, We haven't. they haven't faced a team with the off- offensive talent of Penn State since Stony Brook, and they, they Stony Brook ripped holes through their defense all, all, all day. Uh, so they're going to need to stand up a little bit to that defense. But I, again, I think their performance over the last week, two weeks, has proven that they can do that, even if they weren't able to earlier in the season. I think this team has grown up a lot, especially on the defensive side, uh, and with the midfielders, a lot of young players, especially in that midfield. Uh, and I think that this season has, has the, the backstretch of the season has proven that they can go up against a good Penn State offense and, and win. I think so. With uh, with Julie Krupnik, we were talking about her. I think this might be her biggest test in the season. Not from like a like a Stony Brook perspective. It's just their team is just so good. I think in just mental pressure on the road 
at night. This is a huge test for Julie Krupnik, especially because Penn State is a team that's so hungry. I was looking at the um, the coaches' poll rankings. Penn State 17, Northwestern 7, and you would think that's maybe a little different, but I think in this climate of lacrosse, there's really just like tiers, and there's only three real tiers in the top 25, and I think Northwestern may be at the top of their tier, but Penn State is on that same tier. Penn State is wants to win a Big Ten uh, tournament title. They want to take the crown from Maryland as much as Northwestern wants to take it. So at home, this is going to be a huge test. All right, guys, we've talked about it enough. Before we get out of here, let's do some predictions. Penn State, Northwestern, on Saturday. WNUR will not carry this game because it is on the road, but I'm sure you can find it on BTN or BTN+. Plus. Predictions, guys. What do you think? Noah? I'm going to go with a 15-14 Northwestern victory. I think Penn State comes back down the stretch to make it close. I think this is a game Northwestern leads all the way through. I think Penn State comes back down the stretch, makes it a close game, kind of a la uh, the Penn game, if you will. Uh, but I think Northwestern can holds them off at the end. Julie Krupnik makes some big saves, maybe 10 or 12. I think she stands up big in the cage here. She's one of the best goaltenders in all of college. In, and she's shown to be one of the best goaltenders in all of college lacrosse, even as a redshirt freshman. I'm excited to see her future, but I'm excited to see her present too. Look, this is a Penn State team with a championship pedigree. They're not going to quit. All right, this is the only team that's ever won a Big Ten championship uh, besides Maryland. Now, I'm kind of cheating with that stat. We all know the Big Ten for women's lacrosse has only existed for three years. So only six possible championships, but Penn State has won one of them. This is a team that's had success, one of only three Big Ten teams that have had that kind of success. They're not going to roll over and quit. Uh, Northwestern needs to be focused, ready for all for all 60 minutes of this game, or else they're going to come. They're going to walk away from Happy Valley with a loss. But I think that they can do it, and I think they're going to take the W. I do think Northwestern's going to take the W. You said 14-13? 15-14. 15-14. I think it might be something like that, 16-15 maybe, 17-16. I think this is going to be a back-and-forth game. There won't be a comeback either way. It'll be like a one-goal, 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 and it's just maybe Northwestern might have the last possession. We're going to see, I hope, we're going to see a big game from Lesota, Nestlebush, and maybe someone else. Maybe a Taylor Pinzone, maybe a Holly Corn goes up and has a three or four goal game. Danita Stroop, that would be a great player to, yeah. to, to, to see get back on the she, court. Yeah, she, well. she's, she's been a little bit cold recently. Yeah. She started off the season right there with Nestlebush and Lesota in terms of that goal scoring. She's fallen off a little bit, but we know she has the ability. We know she has the, the, the talent to score goals. Just hasn't necessarily been so much involved in the offense. That's something that happens with lacrosse. Sometimes the ball just falls to a certain player uh, in openings, but we know Stroop can get it done. This is a great game for her, you know, as an upperclassman, as one of the leaders on this team, to get the job done. So, final score, 16-15? Yeah. 16-15, yeah. All right. What do you I'll got, go. Parker? Are you going to give us something? Yeah? I'll split the difference. I'll say 16-14. All right. Northwestern. Okay. You, you, uh, you guys know that now the final score is going to be 5-4, to four, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, un- undoubtedly, that's that that's how happen. it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that that goes along with being announcers, the announce- classic announcer's curse. Um, anyway, we will, of course, be tuned into that game. Hope you all will be as well. Thanks for sticking with us through Cat's Cradle this week. We'll be back same time next week to preview Rucker and talk about what happens in this Penn State game that we are all so much looking forward to. But for now, it seems like some magic is in the air, as Jack said, for the Cats, and they're looking to continue this seven-game win streak they are on tonight. Or, sorry, not tonight, Saturday night against Penn State. But until next week, we'll see you then. This has been Cats Cradle, and go Cats.